So our last podcast, we talked about valuations of seed and what I'm seeing in Utah. And the interesting thing is now Carta, for those that don't know Carta, one, Peter's an investor, full disclosure. Still an investor? Still an investor. Full disclosure, John introduced me to Carta. I'm proud of that. Full disclosure. I want to yeah, introduce you to like 10 more Cartas. Me too. So the the Carta is interesting because they're deal, they've got actual data they're they're keeping track of everyone's legal docs, the valuations, percent of ownership, and so they are in a unique spot to give data that other people aren't giving. The interesting thing I think about this is though is that what they're saying is that valuations for Q2, particularly the seed, and this probably is global. I'm assuming valuations in Silicon Valley might be different than Utah still. But when I'm looking at the numbers, they're probably pretty similar. I'm shook. Yeah, shook. <laughs> Shook for sure. So if we go to Q2 2023, the median pre-money valuation by stage and quarter is 13.3 million. Yep. And I know even seasoned founders who've had an exit of 10 to 20, 30 million are currently raising at a 5 million. Yeah, but are they pre-seed or seed? Because there's a distinction these days. Pre-seed. Pre-seed. Well, this this is is seed. This is seed. seed. Oh, wait, wait, there they go. It's in pre-money valuation for seed. Okay, sorry, seed. Okay, never mind. Then I, I feel like these, these are in range for seed. You know, 10 to 15. Um, so in Utah, you would agree. Sorry. Back in the good old days, that's what like a Series A was valued at. When I first started, someone would say they had a million dollar pre-money valuation and the investors in Utah would lose their minds. <laughs> well, there's no hard money loan. You're not guaranteeing your house. You're not guaranteeing your house and your firstborn. No collateral for for my 50k investment. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so you're I not guess... profitable yet. Right, right. So, <laughs> yeah. So I guess the last one we talked about. Sorry, separation. Proceed, proceed, and precede. Our last podcast we should have been more precede. I think we were more precede. We just talked this about one is seed. Sorry, I was looking seed. at the stats. So they, they go through seed series A. So they're saying that in a seed deal, the average median valuation right now is 13.3 million. It's down from 15 million from a year ago. But it's up uh, from 2020, which was about eight to nine million. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's edging upwards. How much of that, though, is inflation, right? Mm, let's assume inflation would be 20%. Yeah. So. so it's still a little higher then. Yeah, a little bit. Not much. So what, what the data doesn't show that I would love to see is volume. Can we do, maybe we should do a special podcast with Carta and we can have all of Peter's <gasps> and John's questions answered. Maybe. We can get them to sponsor the podcast. But they're not going to be on this podcast today. So not today. Let's just go through. The I'm data just planting seeds. It's a good idea. Okay. What do you all think, audience? Should we do it? I think Carta has a lot of interesting data. They have tons of super interesting data. But even if you look at like Series A, Series A, even with all this like downturn, yep. even in the lowest downturn of the end of Q4, yep. which the valuation was $36.5 million for a Series A, yep. it's still up $40 million, whereas Q1 2020 was $29 million. So again, that's almost a 30 to 40% increase. Yeah. But then I think, again, maybe I think that... part of the problem, though, is that this is nationwide, because I think California's startups like tend to demand a slightly higher valuation. What I'm seeing is generally like pre-seed is call it like five, seed is like 10, series A is like 20, right? And, and how do you count ranges. the how do you count then, traction for in revenue for each of those? Huh? 
So pre-seed would be no revenue. Pre-seed is like seed. no revenue, but maybe like an LOI. Seed is like a hundred to five hundred k revenue somewhere in there. Okay. Um, series A. Series A is like one to two million in revenue. Okay. In, in revenue or ARR, something equivalent. So that would go based upon what we said in the last podcast. Is that I've got a friend who's raising right now. I think at a thirty-five million post money valuation, and I believe they're doing about a million in revenue. So almost like a thirty-five x multiple of revenue yeah it depends on how fast they're growing but again this founder has a very juicy prior exit yeah yeah i mean it's not yeah it feels like in range yeah like 20 to 40 series a somewhere in that range okay yeah but again going back to this data and this is going to be my question with all of these data points is uh volume volume of deals uh because i wouldn't it would not surprise me if the vol like valuations remain relatively flat, the volume declined. Okay. And the reason for that is we've talked about it on other episodes, but like there's still a ton of money out there floating around, right? Investors still have to put the money to work, but they're going to be more cautious. They're doing fewer deals, generally speaking. I'm sitting heard, on their hands more, right? I've heard like, that LPs are asking VCs not to do capital calls. I haven't heard that. Okay. Or that they prefer not to have the capital call at the current moment. That may be the case. Sure. Okay. I, I mean, I could see situations where LPs are like, no pressure to put money to work right now. Right? That sort of thing. Okay. And I think a lot of VCs are also hesitant to put money to work right now because they are a little bit anxious about who's going to fund the next round. Mm. But look, if you've hit the metrics, you've got a great business, you're growing, like all of those things, like, yeah. Yeah. VCs will write you a check and they'll do it at similar valuations. And part of the reason for that is because if you think about the VC math that I walked through on our other episode, which you haven't listened to, go and listen to it. But like for a series A fund, they want to own, they want to buy like 25% of the business when they invest. And so if they're going to write, you know, let's say they write a $10 million check, which is not unheard of, right? Uh, for a series A fund to do. So they write a $10 million check at a $30 million pre, they're going to end up owning 25% of the business with a $40 million post, right? And then they're hoping that like after dilution and everything else, they're going to get down to like 15% ownership in the company. The company gets acquired for like $2 billion. It goes public for like $2 billion. So it's a win for them, right? Now, on 15% of that, that's $300 million. Their funds are usually about $300 million in size. So they return their fund. Like, it's just basic, you know, basic math there. So it's like, like why would valuations change a whole bunch off of that, right? And if the fund, here's what's interesting, is that if funds end up raising less money, right, so fund sizes contract, I believe that would have a bigger impact on early stage valuations. Are fund sizes going to contract or number of than what happens contract. in the public markets? And so that's a great question. And the reality is probably what will happen is the number of funds will contract, but not the fund sizes. Okay. That'd be my guess. Yeah. And then, I mean, that, that plays with what's happened historically, which all of this goes back to support why valuations at the early stage are flat. Okay. Got it. So I think the one thing from their data, so they go into series B, C, D, and I'm, I'm ignoring this, but maybe we should cover it. No, we should cover it. 
But the, the part that I find interesting is for generally everything is up. I think if you adjusted for inflation from 2020, everything is flat. But yeah, things look a lot more stagnant. But the big difference is Series A amount of capital invested. The peak for Series A was 12 million, 12 million according to Carta. Um, in 2020, it was 8 million, but right now it's between 6.5 and 7.4 million. So even for adjusted for inflation, the amount of capital going into these companies is down way down over like 50 percent more than 50 percent i think if you include inflation yeah that's interesting that would actually like be an argument against my earlier point that like shrinking fund sizes was a result in yes i read the data um so that would go against my argument that like smaller check sizes would result in uh, lower valuations but i don't know like it's not surprising that the that round sizes are smaller. It could also be that the funds remain the same in terms of their check size. It's just that there are fewer co-investors alongside them, right? It's washed out a lot of smaller funds, individuals. Like it used to be like you know, everybody was flush with cash and they were all trying to get into the hot deals and companies were raising Yeah, so series B, C, D, E, etc. Those are going to be impacted more by by public markets, right? Mm -hmm. So the late, I mean, a lot of people write the same the same check at the same valuation of the seed stage because they're like, "Look, public markets are not going to impact this thing for another ten years," and I don't know where I have no idea where public markets are going to be in ten years. So, like, valuation just doesn't matter in relation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but once you get to the series B, the series C, the series D, the likelihood of all of that happening matters even more. And, and you could argue, well, well, series B is still really early, but the reality is, is that the guy or the woman venture investor that's going to invest or growth equity investor is going to invest in the series C is going to be very cognizant about what's happening at the, at the, at the IPO. And so they're going to you know, be setting valuations that make sense for them at the Series C, and the Series B investors have to be wary of how that Series C investor is going to be thinking, and so that'll impact Series B. Also, Series B is just, just a tremendously hard round, in my opinion, to raise, because it's like, it's like you're in your like, teenage years. You, know? you, you figured out a lot of stuff, but you're not really a big full-fledged company. Um, so there's still like a decent amount of risk on the business in most cases, but the, I guess that's a whole other, whole other topic. I think if you look at the charts for Carta, what's interesting is that Q2, Q, Q3 and then Q4 especially rolls around in 2022 and you see like all valuations just fall off a cliff. For Series D and E. For Series D and E in particular. And um, I think actually, you know, if you look at public markets, public markets like fell off a cliff even earlier than that. Um, and I think ultimately what's happening is you had a bunch of like hangover of deals that were in negotiation that just hadn't closed and so forth um, from the end of 2021. Because from my my viewpoint, like things like the the music really kind of stopped. I would say end of Q end of 2021 um but you were still hearing echoes of the music through q1 uh and then it like there were no more echoes by q2 
And so it was just wrapping up deals that were already in negotiation and, and so forth. And then, you know, that's where you see these huge drops in Q3 and Q4 is the only people that wrote, raised money were the ones that like had to. And the other thing that I bet would be interesting is like how many of those deals on there, this goes back to almost a volume question, were like convertible notes um, or or flat rounds that may not have been like captured in the data set because what they did is they just reopened the last round. And so that's why I'd be curious to know like what's those volume numbers look like? And then also like did they capture like if I if I just reopened the series D round that I raised in 2021 and I reopened it in 2022 and let people, you know, put more money in at same terms, like does that get captured as a continuation of that valuation or is that not get captured in the data set? Um, so, so yeah, so I think there are those aspects. And then the other thing that's interesting is you see valuations drop a ton. What, what's not entirely clear is like, I know for a fact that there were a lot of deals done at the series C and series D stages where we talked about this in another episode. Um, they raised at, um, on paper, flat rounds, but in reality, they issued so many warrants and preferred returns and and other structural mechanisms that effectively, like they were massive down rounds or like you know multiples on liquidation preference. They they were effectively down rounds, uh, and so I don't know how much of the data would have gotten captured in in that with Carta. Um, theoretically, Carta could run for on ANA valuations and include uh, that sort of stuff, but but I don't know if they, they actually did for, for this data set. Anyways, those are some of my like thoughts on, uh, on some of the data there. But yeah, super interesting. Nice to see that it's kind of flattened out and starting to come back up, which also, again, mimics public markets that have, for the most part, and flattened out and are making a you know, slow and steady rise, uh, not without some bumps here and there. So, you know, it's like people say, like, growth equity is going to mirror public markets and probably be three to six months behind. Um, maybe more, maybe you know, three to nine months is probably a little more accurate um, for a number of reasons. But um, yeah, I don't know. The the later stage stuff didn't didn't really surprise me. And what I've been hearing, and, I, and I've said this to a lot of people, is that uh, talking to a lot of growth equity investors, they're anticipating a lot of companies will start coming to market probably in Q4, Q1 of next year, um, Q4 of this year, Q1 of next year. and because everyone's anticipating that, I'm anticipating that, um, and and we're already seeing this, that companies are starting to come to market now, trying to preempt it. Um, and I think a lot of ECs, especially in the growth equity space, are really excited about that because they've kind of been sitting on their hands for the last like nine months. I know one one growth equity shop that they, they told their whole analyst associate team, like, go play golf because we're not doing deals. Um but they're excited for that to roll around because there are going to be a lot of very high quality companies, high quality assets coming to market, raising money and needing to do so. Um, and because of that, there, there's anticipation that they'll be able to come in at lower valuations or with more structure that provides um, more upside or, or less downside. Um, and so I think a lot of growth equity funds are anticipating being pretty active. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if valuations remain relatively flat from where they are today throughout that period. Um, 
So anyways, that, that might be more than you wanted, but those are my off the top of my head thoughts. This is great. I think we'll I'll be excited to see what happens when the markets open up. But luckily, I feel like it's not affecting the seed pre-seed Thursday as much. Except for the volume thing. I do the think volume. volume is down. Mm-hmm. And I it would be interesting to see all the warrants components. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And I, I also wonder too, like how many of these companies that are getting funded are like new businesses versus like established ones, right? Like we talked about on our other episode how there are there are founders that are really struggling to raise right now, right? And so like I also wonder like how many of these deals or valuations are relatively flat are are relatively new companies that didn't raise obscene amounts of money in 2021, right? Or would have extra uh, mechanisms to to adjust their valuation. Sure, sure. But would your guess be, I'd be curious to see how many were existing prior to the down round and what mechanisms would make their actual current market rates? Because there might be then a lot more, um, you might see more of a decrease for seed and series A then if that's the case. Yeah, but you're not you're not likely to put a ton of warrant coverage on a seed or series A company. Okay. So that's more of a like a growth equity type thing. All right. Thanks for watching. Uh, go to venturecapital.fm and you can check out the podcast that Peter Harris and I do. And we'll join you on the next one and make sure you let us know your your comments in here here on YouTube. Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs>